Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler. Um, so today we've got with us Justin Dobbs. How are you doing today, Justin? Doing well, thank God. How are you? Doing well. It's good to see you. And uh, Dan Bunting is with us also. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. It's a good day. Good. And Dan has actually recently been uh, promoted to interim program director today. Uh, Scott is not with us, so Dan's going to be taking the lead. <laughs> Shaking his head. I love you guys so much. Yeah. He's very uh, excited. Yeah. Yeah. So Scott is not able to be with us today. So it's just going to be um, Dan, Justin, and I. Um, but we're going to uh, introduce the new topic that we kind of uh, started talking about last week, uh, kind of get the ball rolling on that. Um, so, uh, Justin, do you want to start kind of our discussion and we'll keep going today? Yeah. Uh, so, so I just, we, we were talking about James. We've been walking through the book of James. And it seemed to me we kept talking about how similar James was to Jesus's teaching, which we should expect, right? Because um, they're, they're teaching the same gospel. They're, they're working from the same book. But um, you go back and you read the Sermon on the Mount or a lot of Jesus's parables. It's like, that sounds like this. That sounds exactly like this. And so it's, it's useful then to think about how Jesus taught and what was his method of teaching. And I guess I, I would... Uh, maybe before we get too deep into this, uh, for those who are viewing today, if you've got a particular parable that you'd like for us to discuss during this time, there are a number of parables. I think one of the the lighter list of parables, and you could include even like a one verse parable or some of the lengthier stories. It depends on how you, you say what is a parable. Um, but there are probably over 30 parables uh, that we could look at. We're probably not going to look at all of them in this discussion, certainly not today. But if you've got some particulars, ones you have questions about or favorites that you would like us to discuss or things that you think that are just really important for uh, what we're going through right now, that'll be great. Uh, but we just kind of want to talk about first, I think today, uh, why Jesus taught in parables and maybe even why Jesus came as a teacher. You know, he's rabbi, um, but he's also Messiah. And so I don't know uh, if, if one of you has any thoughts about how it is that Jesus is Messiah and teacher, and maybe the way that would have fallen on his uh, contemporary audience. I really like um, Luke chapter four to kind of introduce to Jesus. Um, it's really kind of the first time in Luke, which is interesting that it's four chapters in, but it's really the first time in Luke that you get a really in-depth look at who Jesus is, the character of Jesus, and, and what he's all about. In the first three chapters, you have some prophecies about Jesus and his birth. Uh, in uh, chapter two, you have his birth, and you actually see what happens with that. And then there's an episode at the end of chapter two where he's 12 years old, uh, but not a whole lot of exposure to Jesus until you get to chapter four. And in chapter four, you learn some really deep things about him. In the first section in chapter four, he's led into the wilderness um, by the spirit, and then he's tempted by Satan, and he overcomes those temptations. And so you immediately learn that Jesus is an overcomer of sin, an overcomer of temptation, and is capable of kind of spearheading that for his people. Uh, Hebrews will really zero in on that. The Hebrew author will talk about how he's tempted in all ways as us, yet without sin, and he's able to help us when we're tempted as well, and things like that. And then in the next episode, he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth when he's 30 years old, and uh, he tries to teach them and show them that he is what the prophets were prophesying about. He reads from Isaiah uh, and says that the spirit of the Lord has now anointed me, 
uh, in verse 18, and he's sent to proclaim liberty and free the captives and uh, recover sight of the blind and, and all those sorts of things. And the Nazarenes say, no, that's Joseph's son. <laughs> he's just a regular guy. <laughs> Um, like we know who he is, like, you know, he built our, he built our table, you know, in our living room, he's a carpenter or, or, you know, whatever it is. And so they don't want to accept who Jesus is saying that he is, that he is more than what they expect, that he is the son of God. And he came with a specific purpose and power. And so he leaves um, their town and he goes to surrounding regions in Capernaum. And this is what kind of gets us to our discussion of one of the things that set Jesus apart from really everyone else um, that the people had interacted with in the first century. When he gets to Capernaum in uh, Luke 4, 31, he went down into Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. Um, and then it goes on to tell some of the things that he was able to do. He cast out demons uh, later in the chapter after they realize his authority. Um, in verse 40, when the sun was setting, those who were sick and with various diseases were brought to him and he laid hands on every one of them and he healed them. And out of the de and demons came out of many crying, you are the son of God. And he rebuked them and wouldn't allow them to speak because he knew that they were, or they knew that he was the Christ. Um, and so the thing in Capernaum, and that will happen continually throughout Jesus's ministry, is people will be exposed to him. And the first thing that really kind of catches their attention is how he talks. <laughs> um, he speaks differently than other people. And the text often says, how did the text of the, of the scriptures describe that? Is he spoke as one having authority? And you just think of maybe what that would sound like. And we'll see this a little bit as we look at some of the things that Jesus said. Someone that doesn't have authority, how, how would they speak? What's their kind of vocabulary that they would have? Well, they would probably say, so-and-so sent me, or I'm representing so-and-so, or here's what you should do because this is what this person says. But when someone actually has the authority and they're the source of the authority, they don't say so-and-so sent me or, or whatever. They say, I'm telling you to do this. And that's enough for you to have to do that. And that's how Jesus would often say things. Um, biggest example of that is maybe the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, where he said, you've heard it was said, but now I'm telling you. And we'll use that a lot of different times. So it's just a really distinguishing factor about Jesus and that people notice. They can immediately tell from his vocabulary, this guy has authority. And we can tell that just by how he says the things that he says. But then there are also the things that he did that showed his authority as well. Justin? And, and on that, there's um, an account in Mark 1. It's kind of similar to what you're looking at in Luke, where as he comes to Capernaum, um, He's teaching, and they're astonished there in Mark 1, 22. They're astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as the one who had authority, not as the scribes, so the, the teachers of the day. Um, but it, you see that they're kind of hesitant about it. You know, he's teaching as, as one who had authority. And then the account goes right into him uh, casting out a demon, telling the demon, be silent, come out of him. Uh, if you can command a demon, then you know, that's some authority right there. And so then they respond in verse 27 with, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Uh, Matthew 7, like you said, Sermon on the Mount, uh, but there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he, he's saying, if you don't listen to me, if you don't build your life on my teaching, then your life's going to come apart. Uh, you're going to be destroyed. And, and they get it. He's teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes, uh, which I think is 
you know, the miracles are powerful. They attest to the authority, but they're not the power. And I think that that's, that's incredible um, because you're going to have people throughout Jesus's ministry seeing miracles and denying Jesus anyway. Um, Jesus, he, he's not here uh, in, in the gospels to force people into the kingdom. You know, he, he's not coming as a military leader saying, get in line. He's not coming with the miracles saying, look at my power, everybody obey me. He's convincing people. He's instructing people. He's, he's trying to relate to people to get them to understand. And so the parables are really powerful because they're, they're getting at the heart, which is where the kingdom's going to have to be if it's going to do us any good. Yeah, I like what you said uh, about um, the difference between miracles and parables. It, it's easy to think sometimes uh, about how much we're missing out because we don't get to see the miracles and like, oh, if we were only there and we could have seen the miracles. And I'm sure that would have been amazing to, to be there. I don't want to downplay how incredible the miracles would have been. See Jesus walking on water, feeding the 5,000. That would have been awesome to witness that. But what's so much more powerful and what Jesus continues to say are the truths of what he's revealing from God's will and his word through his teaching. And that we do have preserved for us. So like, wow, um, we really have the, the gem that the miracles were pointing to anyway. Um, and so I like that. That's, that's cool. Yeah. And, and when Jesus' enemies uh, confronted him, the miracles often were an occasion to confront him. They didn't like that he was doing a miracle, say, on the Sabbath. But it was really his teaching that went along with the miracles that caused them the most angst. Uh, the fact that he's calling himself the Lord of the Sabbath, uh, not so much that he's just healing, but he's saying, I'm, I'm the son of man. I'm the son of God. Uh, and so in John seven, uh, you've got where some of the, the Jews are sending people to arrest Jesus or sending officers and they come back They're like, why didn't you bring him with you? And they said, John seven forty six. no one ever spoke like this man. Even his enemies are listening to him teach, and they're just, this, this guy, you can't mess with him, because <laughs> no one ever taught like him. Um, so maybe we should get into introduction to a parable, but I don't know, Dan, you've been quietly listening, and you've been doing some teaching on parables here recently. Um, when you think of Jesus and his teaching on the parables, what comes to your mind? Well, just the, the simple fact that any child can learn the lesson and that they weren't taught specifically to children, that they were taught to, you know, you know, to people uh, of, of every age. And the fact that um, children can understand them and that old people still need to understand them um, says a lot about the, the, the strength of Jesus's teaching and what he is able to do with a few simple words. I find Maybe it that's... But I was about to say this because it kind of, this other statement is, is jumping off of what you were saying. Um, I think people, it looks like in the, in the story of the gospel that people um, would complain more often and speak more often denying um, the miracles that Jesus did. Um, trying to maybe push them off on being, you know, from some devil power. Uh, and they weren't we don't have as many times that they argued against the teaching itself. They'd ask him questions and argue back and forth in the little discussion. But for everything that Jesus taught, uh, we don't have very many people saying no. They Maybe they'll close their ears like the people did in Nazareth. But uh, 
it's, it's compelling to think about the fact that people had an easier time denying a miracle that happened right in front of them than denying the, the truth of his words. And that might speak to why um, we don't need the miracles around us as much today, as much as we need the truth of his word around us. I think it's interesting that it seems, it seems to be that Jesus did not begin his ministry teaching in miracles, but rather as his audience grew and their attitude toward him shifted, the parables um, were, I mean, they were always part of the plan. I think you can read in the Old Testament, we'll look at maybe Psalm 78 in a minute, um, but there's, they were always part of the strategy he was going to employ but it comes it comes out of a response to the heart of the people who are not listening um i like what you said about it's it's for children and for adults i mean it's, it's at an adult audience but it's at a child's level because that's where we need to be in order to follow jesus uh very similar to proverbs one where he talks about you know, the wise hearing and increasing in learning um and, and even the, the simple and the youth being able to yeah. uh, gain prudence and discretion. So a parable, maybe we talk about a little bit, what, what does the word parable mean? Um, got a good definition for a parable? I tend to describe them more than define them. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't worked up a good definition, but essentially they're long metaphors um, it's just using a simile or a metaphor to illustrate a, a, an idea. So Jesus is communicating an idea, and he's giving it to us in pretty simple pictures. And he's trying to communicate, what, in what way can I communicate the spiritual concepts of a spiritual kingdom to a bunch of people walking around on a pile of dirt flying through space? <laughs> and so he says, well, this is what the kingdom is like. And he gives us pictures from the world around us, the world that we actually live in. And when he wants us to understand what a heart should be like, not the muscle inside our body, but our character and our thinking, uh, he gives us illustrations of brothers or workers um, or even a tree that uh, whether it is or is not plant growing fruit. And so he gives us very tangible metaphors and similes to speak to big ideas. Yeah, and, and tangible is, is huge here, right? Because um, I think there's gonna be some discussion in some of the parables, like is, is this a parable or is it not a parable? But all of the parables are based in reality because that's where we live. Um, what I, I understand a parable means essentially to, uh, to place beside. So you've got, here's an idea you're familiar with, and let me put an idea beside it that you're not familiar with, or maybe you are, but you've not thought about these two ideas uh, deeply enough. And so they're going to intersect, they're going to relate, they're going to contrast or compare. Um, so he's going to take earthly things and then compare them to heavenly things. And, and who is more equipped, better equipped to talk to us about heavenly things than Jesus? But of course, being the son of God, he's living in an earthly realm. And so he gets us. Uh, so he, he gets the things of heaven. He gets the things of earth. And he's, he's the one who can bridge this understanding uh, and help us to see what we need to see. Um, so that, that idea of two things connected, uh, and that unlocks a deeper understanding 
uh, I think is really helpful when it comes to what a parable is. Um, uh, Jonathan, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, so, um, so maybe in, in this discussion, like, you know, what are parables leads us to why then parables, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, um, you know, one of the reasons why is just because they're understandable. Uh, it's, it's something you can relate to. It's an easy form of teaching at this child level that anyone can grasp, anyone can understand, anyone can see the point and, and you know, kind of pick it up and run with it. Um, it's this simple form of teaching. It's not like you have to go for years and years and, be, you know, get your doctorate in parable understanding. Um, it, it's something that you can just pick up and read and know right, right now and easily. Um, uh, a couple of the other reasons that, that we've mentioned, you know, why would Jesus speak in parables in Matthew 13, which I think is where we're going to spend most of our time um, uh, anyway, um, Jesus will just say that he's speaking in parables because that's what was prophesied and he's fulfilling prophecy. Um, so uh, I think, Justin, you mentioned uh, Psalm, or, uh, Psalm 78, I think Psalm 78, verse 2, um, where Jesus quotes that in Matthew 13, verse 36. Um, he was speaking in parables to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So this was something that was planned from the beginning of a way that Jesus was going to teach. Um, but I think that there's another reason, and we kind of alluded to this a little bit, why Jesus spoke in parables. And that's one of the things that he talks about earlier in Matthew 13. Um, after he tells this first parable in Matthew 13, which we might break down and start discussing near the end of the show, um, the disciples come to him in verse 10, and they ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? Um, and I just want to read this section in verse 11, uh, Matthew 13, verse 11, he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from, he, from the one that has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, this prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You indeed will hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people, these people's hearts has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Uh, that's kind of a beefy section. I don't know, what, what do you guys think about what, what is Jesus saying? Because he has a lot to say here to answer that simple question. The question is, why are you speaking to them in parables? And he has this long explanation. So I don't know, what, what do you guys think about all that? Well, it sounds like one of his reasons for speaking in parables is so that people won't understand, uh, which is kind of like the big shocker. It's like, you're the teacher. Like you're not doing your job if you're not helping people understand. Um, but he's been dealing with a people who've been hanging around and listening. And he's been saying some really plain things, very straightforward. Um, and they're still not getting it. And so uh, this shift uh, is not really, it's, it's not really making things more difficult for them, but it's presenting them with a choice where they're going to have to either soften their hearts and come to Jesus for more understanding or just say, you know what, we're done with this guy. He's over here sounding like the farmer's almanac. I'm gone. <laughs> um, 
because Jesus is he's very popular at this point. Um, but Jesus doesn't want to be popular. He, he wants to be understood and he wants to be followed. He wants to be obeyed. He wants to be treated like the king that he is. Uh, so to force people into this choice uh, seems to be what the parables are really good at is, are we going to be soft-hearted and listen? Or are we going to be hard-hearted uh, and, and reject him? Um, he's trying to both reveal truth uh, and conceal the truth in this little packaged story that, that doesn't... Um, doesn't necessarily prove the truth but it illustrates it um because he's already been proving it but now he's going to illustrate it so that we get it yeah it seems kind of weird that so so we're talking about why parables the purpose of parables the first one that we said was parables because they're easy to understand <laughs> but then the third reason that we said is parables because jesus doesn't want people to understand so like which is it are they easy to understand or are they hard to understand what I think you have going on is really there is this kind of aversion that people can sometimes have to simplicity and truth. The, the more simple it is, the more I want to reject it and kind of push it away. And there's a there's a Bible example of that. There are actually a lot. But the one that stands out to me is Naaman in Second Kings chapter five. The, the story of Naaman, if you're not familiar with it, really, really cool story. You can go and read Second Kings five. But he, he's a leper. He has this terrible disease. And he goes to Israel to be healed of it by the prophet that's in Israel, Elisha. And when he gets to Elisha's house, he expects this really grand kind of show, like Elisha to come out and start waving his arms and calling on his God and maybe, I don't know, fog machines and lights and all that kind of stuff. So some really amazing kind of cool looking stuff. But Elisha doesn't even come outside. In fact, he just sends his servant outside and tells his servant, go tell Naaman he needs to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times, then his leprosy will be healed. And Naaman's angry. <laughs> he's like, he's like, what? Like, that's why I came all the way here just to hear that really simple thing. And thankfully, his servant opens up his eyes and kind of helps him to realize his arrogance and, and tells him like, you know, this is a really simple thing that Elijah is telling you to do. Won't you go do it? And that's really what the parables are, that they're just simple truths that if you're the kind of person that can receive the truth in a simple way. They'll make sense and they'll penetrate. But if you're someone that's really looking for something else or something deeper, you're not going to understand the parables. You're not going to understand the power of the parables because you don't want to. Um, and that's how God has often operated. If you don't want it, God won't give it to you. <laughs> um, but if you do want it, he will give it to you. And so we have promises of God, like ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock, and it'll be open to you. Uh, but if you don't, it won't. So, so maybe the parables don't just uh, reveal truth, but they also reveal the kind of heart that the listener has. Um, they, they, they test us. And, and if we're willing to work at them, uh, then they, they pop open. And they, like, and they, they crack open and there's the, the meat inside. But if we're not willing to work at them, we miss it. There, there yeah. is a desire often. Um, uh, in, I'm trying to figure out how to not sound like I'm contradicting you, Jonathan, because I think this goes alongside what you're saying. If the, if the concepts are too easy, maybe if they seem too childlike, um, then, then that's kind of like the issue with name it. This isn't impressive enough. This is too childlike. I'm going to ignore it. Well, that's one of the issues about the, the parables that um, they are stories that even children can understand. And so sometimes people turn them away because they think they are childish. Um, but another uh, ironic thing that people desire is a lot of times they want God and Jesus to tell them, well, what's the thing? 
just give me the facts, tell me what to memorize, and then I'll, I'll do that. I'll do this work, I'll do this memorization act, tell me the laws, and I'll do those few things. And then sometimes, so when people ask Jesus that kind of a question, he then gives them a parable that defies memorization. Uh, so when the, the lawyer comes up challenging Jesus, what do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And he, you know, he's giving Jesus some good answers. And Jesus says, well, go, go be a good neighbor. And so he, that's not what he was looking for. He wanted more of a black and white answer. Maybe he wanted a, a list, tell me the things. And he says, well, then who is my neighbor? And he only asked that to justify himself. The parable of the Good Samaritan is the response that he gets. And while you can memorize the story of the Good Samaritan, memorizing it doesn't get you to heaven. <laughs> like, like the idea of memorizing a writ set of instructions or memorizing key rules to follow. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan is learned in a heartbeat and is worked in our hearts for, the, for every breath and every beat of our heart ever after. And, and so there's another aspect of the parables where they will seem childish because even a child can understand them and they're too simple and people ignore them. And, and on the other hand, when people are wanting, you know, the, the classic line, just the facts, give me the data. Well, a parable defies that and goes outside of that and demands the heartfelt um, activity of God's word. Yeah, uh, it's it's not just I mean, the rules matter, and he's been hammering the rules. Uh, he's been talking about you know Matthew five, Sermon on the Mount. I did not come to abolish the law; I came to fulfill it. Um, whoever relaxes these is going to be least in the kingdom. Your perfection needs to exceed, abound beyond uh, what the Pharisees were, and I think maybe the Pharisees had this great breadth of law keeping, but no depth to it. They didn't understand what they were doing. And stories like this, illustrations, get beyond just a yes, no, and they move to an understanding where now I'm equipped to go at life where Satan's not asking me yes, no answers, or yes, no questions. He, he is trying to get me to trip up and something not fit into uh, the box that I've created. And so these, these stories do push us out of that box uh, and help us understand. Maybe, maybe ends. then... Oh, go, you finished what you're saying. I'm sorry. Well, well, well I was just going to say, maybe, maybe then uh, that should be a warning to us when we study the parables is not to create new boxes. Um, you know, we, we want to be careful that we, we get the heart of it um, and not create just a new, new list of do's and don'ts. It, it's the heart that Jesus is going for. It's going to have an outcome. It's going to have a, a application for us, but uh, it's not a new, new list there. And one of the interesting things is he ends that sermon with another parable. The Sermon on the Mount is ended with those of you who hear and do these words are like the man who built his house upon the rock. And we can turn that into a children's song. But again, that was a parable spoken to, well, everyone who was there. So human beings, um, whether you're a child or you're no longer a child, the conclusion of that sermon is the parable what will your life look like now that you have received information, now that you've received these ideas? How will these ideas, not just the data, how will these ideas change you? That's what the parable okay, maybe, maybe we should jump into Matthew 13 then and talk about this parable. Um, 
as we do that, I, I do want to draw attention. Uh, I think Jonathan mentioned Psalm 78 as well. Um, it's been helpful to me to think about you know, Jesus as the Messiah. He's not, he's not coming, though, as the Messiah that they anticipate. He's not a military leader. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, <laughs> he's teaching in the synagogues, and that ought to be startling to us because he's, he's, a, he's, from, I mean, he's, he's up from Galilee. He's a carpenter. What's he doing every synagogue going around like some circuit rabbi and teaching? But that's exactly what he's doing. And it's, it is captivating people. Uh, and the reason is that Jesus would often go around and say he, he felt compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Psalm 78, is going to be quoted here to Matthew uh, 13, 35, goes back and talks about this uh, this one who's opening his mouth in parables and revealing what was hidden since the foundation of the world. And that psalm concludes with uh, the, uh, the hope that is uh, in the David who's going to come and shepherd Israel with an upright heart and guide them with a skillful hand. And so it seems like Psalm 78 is anticipating this David-like figure who's not just going to be a military leader and give them victory over their enemies. It's not just going to protect them from danger, but he's going to shepherd them. And that takes understanding. It takes patience. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing in the parables is he is, he is gently and compassionately confronting us with truth so they can get us to where we need to be. He's moving the audience where we are to where we need to be by, by shaping our understanding of heavenly things. So um, Matthew 13 Maybe we should uh, read one through nine. Uh, I think we've had the tradition of me reading first. I didn't know that was a tradition, but it turns out that's what happens usually. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and read one through nine and then we can kind of, kind of talk about it. Uh, that same day, Matthew 13, verse one, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears... Let him hear. That's all I like. This is this is one of the examples where I understand why the pe the apostles say, "What are you talking about? Why are you saying this?" Because he gathers everyone around him and says, "A farmer went out and farmed. Listen, and that's it." And I kind of picture at the end of this, he's like, "All right, thanks everyone for coming," and then he like just <laughs> leaves. They're like. It really could be. Sorry about that, guys. Next week it'll be better. What were you going to say, Jonathan? Um, yeah, no, I, I I like this. This is kind of the I don't know the the introductory parable um, because this parable is unlike some of the other parables that we'll read, um, where. Jesus actually goes on to explain what he was talking about. Um, not every time does he do that. Really, only a couple of times does he do that to explain the the pieces of the parable and what he's trying to get at. Um, but we don't have to do a whole lot of guesswork into 
why did you choose that? Why did you pick that? Why did you, why are you using that image? Um, Jesus will go on to explain that later on in the chapter. So I think that that's, that's really helpful, but I like just kind of looking at this first for, for what it is and kind of putting yourself in the, in the disciples shoes. You've never heard this story before. You've never heard Jesus do this before. And he just hits you with this, you know, what did you get out of that? Well, Jesus tells you a basic farming story, like a scenario that you could imagine any of your farming buddies would go through. Um, you've got your seed, you need to plant your seed, you need to get your crop. And so where are you going to do that? You're going to throw your seed out as much as you can to try to get as much yield back as you can. And it's going to land in various different places um, and produce various different results based on where it lands. Um, and so it's a really easy to story to understand that this is what happens every single day whenever our farming buddies go out and are farming. Sometimes the seed is going to grow and produce a lot. And sometimes it's not going to grow and not produce very much. And that all depends on where the seed is growing at. Um, and so that's the, the basic earthly side of the concept and an easy thing to see from the story that we can understand. Even if you're not a farmer, you've never farmed a day in your life. You get that, that where a seed is has a lot of influence on what the seed produces. Um, and Jesus is going to take that truth and expound on it and really kind of show what does that mean for you eternally now, um, which is something that we'll need to start training our minds to be able to do, understand just the story of what Jesus tells. Now, what does that story mean for me eternally? What's the eternal principle that I can get from that based on this truth that I can observe and see and touch in the world? I think it's important to know that, that Jesus has a particular point to make. He's, he's not just stating this story and then saying, well, actually, there are a lot of things that could come out of this. I mean, you could, you could take this and you could take that. Typically, a parable has as a one meaning uh, intended. There are some great applications we can make from this one meaning and go in a lot of different directions with, with the applications. Um, but I think we'll see that Jesus will sometimes teach parables in response, actually often teach parables in response to uh, something has happened, that there's an audience. Um, I think one of the first parables he, he teaches is actually in, in Luke 7 with Simon the Pharisee. And there he, he turns to Simon and says this thing in response to this woman who's come in and is washing Jesus' feet. So there's real world application, but it's for a particular reason he's going to tell the parable. So we're not trying to say, well, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? Well, no, the question, the answer is, why did Jesus tell it? What was he trying to teach? Uh, what is he getting at? So with this one, I love that he explains it. I, I, I wish he did this for all of them, but part of the power of the parable is just the working through it. And it puts us into a, uh, an exercise where we have to uh, work at understanding. And there's a lot of value just in the work of it. Um, but I don't know, how, does, how do you see this parable or how does Jesus explain the parable? I can read his, read his explanation starting in verse 18. Jonathan, you already read the, the, uh, the discussion about the parables. That, that happens in between. And um, Jesus says, you know, summarizing that up, because there are people who aren't going to hear no matter what they listen to. And then he says, um, but you can hear now. He ended the parable in verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. And he's going to open up his uh, explanation with hear then the word of uh, the parable of the sower so a lot is connected to the fact that just because you have ears on your head doesn't mean you're using them just because you're listening doesn't mean you actually hear what somebody is saying so jesus is really trying to call us to that attention um, not just to be um, 
passive but active in our listening. So chapter 13, verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the rocky path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares and the deceit cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. So he explains a lot of parts of the parable, and he connects it to the specific words that he uses. This word represents this thing, or this word represents this idea. But in the explanation, we don't understand all of it, even. Uh, we don't know what fruit is. Um, you know, what does it mean to produce 60-fold and, an, and, and 100-fold? What's that going to look like in a person, or what is the fruit specifically? So Jesus doesn't answer every question that we might have, but he gives us enough to um, uh, hit the ground running and really work at uh, trying to understand, um, you know, what, what's, what important message does Jesus reveal to me in these words? I, I, I do like uh, Luke's um, telling of this because he's in some ways maybe be even a little more straightforward. He says, uh, the seed is the word. <laughs> but here in Matthew 13, he's like, so if you hear the word, it's kind of like um, George Washington Carver uh, is quoted as saying that all learning is relationships. Um, and so as I, you know, from our very earliest stages of learning, we're, we're learning about how does this relate to that? And I get this and relate to that, and this and this. And so even the explanation of it, we're still relating. Um, so, so the C being the word, and everybody gets a chance to hear it, but what happens next is on me. Uh, what happens next in uh, how I respond to the word is it reveals a condition of my heart. And I think I've often looked at this parable to talk about evangelism, and that's a good application, but probably the first application we need to make is just the principle, who am I in response to the word, you know, what is the condition of my heart as I listen to Jesus? And you know, which soil am I? And there's going to be some obvious um, evidence to help me understand uh, who I am. But I think that we need to be looking at our own hearts. And that's what Jesus is, is asking us to do. Yeah, and I really like that. Um, uh, one time recently, it was actually maybe about two years ago, I think I was studying Mark with someone. Uh, in the community, and we got to Mark chapter four, which is where Mark records the parable of the sower. And I just had him read it, um, and we discussed, you know, so what is this? What's the story? He'd never heard the parable of the sower before, um, and so he described the story that you know it's a farmer and he goes out and throws a seed everywhere, and some of it does well, but most of it doesn't do well because it lands in bad places and stuff. And I'm like, right, right, okay. Um, and then we read the next section where in Mark Jesus describes it, and he starts describing the pathway soil that's this kind of person 
The rocky soil, that's this kind of person. The thorny soil, that's this kind of person. The good soil, that's this kind of person. And he read through that. And after he got done, he just kind of kept looking down at his Bible. And he just very thoughtfully said, I think I'm the rocky soil. <laughs> um, and I was like, mm. you get it. <laughs> like, you get what Jesus is trying to do. Now, don't stay the rocky soil. That's not what Jesus's point is that now you're now you're de destined to always be this kind of person. But Jesus's teaching hit you, right? That's what Jesus is trying to do to get you to see yourself in the story and then change because of that and, and be affected because of that. And that's the power of Jesus's teaching and the power of parables, not to learn a cool story that you can make a song out of or that you can memorize or whatever, but that you can read and realize that is perfectly describing my life. And now I need to make some changes based on this of what I've seen about myself, which is what the word of God is always supposed to do. Not just the parables, but like James describes that. We just got done with James in James chapter one, seeing into the word of God and not remembering what you look like is foolish and ridiculous. And that's what people that are just hearers of God's word are. If they're not, if they're not doers, Jesus's teachings will do absolutely nothing for you. You'll learn a cool story and that's it. But if you hear it and let it change you and affect you, Jesus's teachings will be the most valuable thing that you can ever have in your life. And that's what this parable really kind of illustrates, um, that a vast majority of people won't get that um, because, of the, because of their heart and their refusal to change their heart. But Jesus offers change and, and blessing whenever we do and are affected by that. So I thought that was really cool. I really, I really liked and I, I vividly remember that. And I think, I hope I will for the rest of my life, that that moment where I saw somebody the first time be introduced to Jesus's teaching and the very first time be strongly kind of affected by it to the point where they were like, oh man, <laughs> Jesus is calling me out. That, that's me. Um, so. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see people respond like that because that's a humble heart. That's a person who's not trying to weigh Jesus's words and where do I find the, the problems with his teaching and where is it offensive to me? And, you know, I wish so-and-so were here to hear that one because they really need it. It's, it's humble and it's honest. And uh, uh, I was thinking of James exactly when you said it. You know, we, we don't want to come away from this Bible study, even today, uh, and then, well, it was great. Moving on. Let's be cultivating our hearts so that we, we're better uh, recipients of the word. We can grow and, and be the kind of people God wants us to be. Well, I think... Your, your story there, again, Jonathan, your, your story of the person that you interacted with just demonstrates uh, when people are saying that Jesus is the master teacher, that, that's the great example. Um, Jesus is able to do uh, with his words what's, what most of us are unable to do, to try to go up to somebody and say, you know what, I think you're not taking things too seriously. I don't think that you quite understand the the, the depth and the importance of what's going on. You're making these big long-term uh, problems for yourselves and these short-term decisions. Jesus tells a story about a farmer and that guy is stopped dead in his tracks. And we need to let the Bible do that to people. Um, we need to let the Bible be its own powerful um, tool, uh, you know, um, that's one of the difficulties um, uh, trying to be a, a trying to be a good Bible teacher is trying to figure out how can I speak less and let let Jesus speak to this person 
And so sometimes we help them understand maybe the context or uh, find another passage to back it up or a supporting idea for a next step. But, but Jesus can do it all. And, uh, and, and these parables are wonderful illustrations of that. Yeah, and, and let it affect us. Um, not Amen. just let it affect other people, let it affect us as, as we're reading as well. And so um, the, just the simple application from this simple story is what kind of soil are you? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, which one of the four <laughs> describes you the best? Mm-hmm. And when you get to that conclusion, what does that mean that you need to do? <laughs> um, and uh, if you're not the fourth soil, if you're not the good soil, you have a lot of work <laughs> that you need to do in trying to change and, and you know, maybe change your situation or change the, the way that you've been approaching the Bible before or whatever it is. But um, it's a really easy question, I think, to answer. Sometimes really hard to deal with, but, but really easy to answer. Um, so, Justin. Well, and we'll sometimes get, you know, we get a response from the disciples here about how they heard the parable. They're just, why are you teaching like this? Um, but we'll also get responses like from the lawyer in Luke 10 um, or from Simon in Luke 7. Um, even in the Old Testament parables were used. Nathan uses a parable uh, of sorts when he goes to confront David. And just hearing the story about the man and the lamb and then you know, David's response, he, he, he responds to the story and then he can honestly respond to himself. Uh, and so I think that's a good listening technique is respond to the story first before you go trying to evaluate yourself because I am I'm tempted to excuse my behavior. I'm tempted to make excuses for the reason that I've not been obedient to Jesus here. But let me just, all right, what's going on in the story and how do I evaluate that? And what's his point? Uh, okay, I, I'm with Jesus here. And then you're the man, David. Uh, and that's, that's a really powerful awakening moment. Uh, so for your friend or for ourselves as we're listening, we want to be sure that uh, we're, we're letting the word do its work on us. All right. Um, any other points that you guys want to make before we wrap up? But there is a second parable where Jesus will go on in Matthew 13 to describe the parable in depth. So that's kind of another easy one um, that starts right after this explanation of the parable of the sower. So you can go and read that if you've never read it before and see his explanation a little bit later uh, in the chapter. And then there are various other parables as well in Matthew 13. But we'll um, keep moving forward in our discussion. Uh, we want to talk more about these parables and about some of the other ways that Jesus teaches and some of the specific, like what Justin brought up, situations of why those parables happen, because those specific situations still sometimes happen today in our hearts and in our in our lives. Um, and so they'll equip us for, for those kinds of things. Um, so if you have anything that you would like us to discuss along those lines or a specific parable you'd like us to discuss, again, you can submit those to BibleQuest.tv. Um, when you get to our website, if you just click on the Tuesday's talk show and the top, you can enter your name and email and your question, and we'll be happy to discuss those in future shows. Uh, and you can also revisit our shows that we've uh, already had. You can go to the podcasts and recordings, and both the Tuesday and Wednesday shows are recorded there on our website under that page. So um, that's all that we have for this week. Thank everyone for uh, listening, and we will hope to see you all next week, Lord willing.